As you no doubt heard, you get to work in the West Wing as of this morning. You're going to be working right beside the people who run the world. Please, be professional. There's a woman I'm very close to. In the midst of an affair with the President of the United States. How do I know it's true? You will lose her as a friend. I've made my peace with that. Are you sure you have enough evidence? My calls with Monica. Holy shit. It all has to come out. <laughs> the press will destroy her. You don't know the half of it. My wife went into a hotel room with Bill Clinton. That is a lie. Mr. President, do you know a woman named Monica Lewinsky? This isn't about justice. Then what is it about? Impeachment. William Jefferson Clinton, do you solemnly swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. This show is based on the book A Vast Conspiracy by Jeffrey Tubin. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Annie Malone. And I'm Christina Barr. And we're going to begin at the beginning. A very good place to start. The first <laughs> episode is called Exiles. It was written by Sarah Burgess, who's the showrunner. And directed by Ryan Murphy. Uh, it premiered on September 8th, 2021. Oh. A very, a very special <laughs> day. significant date. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't get to watch it because I didn't have the right kind of television because it's so hard to watch television these days. Yeah. We have like the opposite of net neutrality with television. Yes. <laughs> But Christina was keeping informed. We we knew we wanted to watch this and talk about it. And you were our pioneer. <laughs> our impeachment well, pioneer. Well, I've seen the first episode three times. Nice. It's really good. I'm excited to rewatch it. It's so good. And I had no idea, like, some of the people from this story that they cover. They made careers for themselves from this whole episode. Like, with Ann Coulter and... <laughs> I mean, She's she like, mentions... how can I make this about me? Right, yeah. <laughs> she mentions George Conway gave her the, it's Kellyanne Conway's husband. Yeah. Like, all of these conservative people 
Brett Kavanaugh's in it later in the in the show. I've just been at this fuckery for such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that this show, Monica Lewinsky was an executive producer on it, and she had a lot of input into how it was. I think she said in an interview, like, she just assumed this would be a movie or something eventually, so she, yeah, she yeah. wants to be a part of it to tell her story. And I really like her point of view. I mean, she just was... A young woman who, she yeah. I mean, she got really taken advantage of and betrayed by Linda Tripp, but also she just didn't deserve a lot of stuff that happened to her. And there's stuff that you learn about her life and her growing up. Like, she's somebody who was constantly screwed over her whole life. Mm-hmm. And this was like the ultimate bullying situation on yeah. like a worldwide scale. For real. Oh my God. Yeah. But I hope she gets some sort of... Catharsis. Catharsis, (laughs) exactly, from doing this. Because, I mean, Mira Sorvino plays her mother in it later, and that's really good. Mira Sorvino is somebody who fucking got screwed over by, I mean, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, it's such a great series for women, and Bill Clinton was like, Fucking gross, lecherous. Yeah, like, it sounds like he was taking a dick out constantly, not yeah. just the yeah. times we know about. He's but... a serial sexual predator. Right, really yeah. Fucked up how. It's fun watching this because I remember when it all happened, you know, and it's like, wow, now I feel completely different about every single person involved, you know? Like, right. you know when he used to, like, love Bill Clinton. Right. What was that about? I know, he's so fun. He plays the saxophone. He's a real person. Right, like, he's, he's a McDonald's. Progressive. All right, boys. Let's stop in here for a second. I'm a little parched from the jog. Uh, sir, we've only been jogging for three blocks. Besides, Mrs. Clinton asked us not to let you into any more fast food places. Well, I just want to mingle with the American people, talk with some real folks, maybe get a Diet Coke or something. All right, fine. But please, don't tell Mrs. Clinton. Jim, let me tell you something. There's going to be a whole bunch of things we don't tell Mrs. Clinton. Fast food is the least of our worries, okay, buddy? <sighs> oh, no. Supposedly, he is very charming in person. Like, he's someone who has, like, real animal magnetism, is what everybody always says about him. I but think, also, he's Which like, is so fascinating because from a distance, I never understood that. And maybe his charisma is just something you can't transfer, you know? It's. Right. You, you have to be there, I guess, to understand. And that's, like, the same yeah. with cult leaders and stuff, too, where it'd be like, that guy, right? that disgusting dude who's obviously gross, got all these people to give him all their money and fuck him whenever they wanted and do all these horrible things. Like the, the Nexium cults. Like right. that guy is such yeah. a little troll. <laughs> when you have that charisma, it's like a spell almost yeah. that you put over people. And like even a more benign way of someone like Pete Davidson, you know, like right. obviously he's not so like... <laughs> You know, it's like he's probably just like really nice. Like he probably just has a nice personality yeah. or charming in person in some way. You know, like I don't know. But like everyone's got their guy in their past that people are like, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Pete Davidson, I like that as an example too because we're talking about all these like nasty people who are using their charisma for disgusting purposes, and he's just like a dude that for some reason. You don't want to like, but all these really good people like him, so we're like, he must be fine. He's great, I guess. And it really does go a long way toward being, like, (laughs) I was listening to something about Paul Rudd, too, about, like, why everyone loves him so much, and it's just because he is nice. 
It's right, just, yeah. he's just regular nice, but no one expects a famous person to be regular nice. So they're like, oh my God, Paul Rudd is amazing. Right. <laughs> like, all it takes is just don't be a fucking asshole. Right. Or, like, someone... There's been a lot of talk about Pete Davidson lately because of now he's with Kim Kardashian and someone tweeted, I see all these people saying, like, how is he doing this? And I guarantee you he's just, like, want to hang out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I like the casting of Clive Owen a lot, too. Even though it's, like, conflicting for me because I generally find him so hot. Yeah. And I, I've never thought Bill Clinton was sexy in any way. And then all the prosthetics are... A little wild. I don't know. Right. I don't know if I'm completely on board for all the prosthetics. And the wigs, yeah. man. <laughs> like, the wigs I, I'm on board for just because that's going to save them time. Because people <laughs> really did have their hair like that, yeah. and it took it hours. Hair. I guarantee you Linda Tripp spent a very long time on her hair to make her hair look right. like that. Yeah. The prosthetics for Bill Clinton was distracting for me at first. Well, I mean, yeah, Paula Jones it, even was like, really, yeah. is her nose, like, that important to who she was as a person? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like she had a way bigger nose than that, for real, so. Yeah. She had a really big nose, Paula. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean but yeah. not that it's important, but you're right. I mean, it's like, do we have, like... I mean, I guess appearance I guess. is a big part of it all. So maybe that's what their argument was in the writer's room. I think so, because all these women are going to get dragged through the mud in the press a lot for their looks, you know, and I I assume that was part of it too, like Paula Jones, you know, people I'm sure tore her apart. Oh, we're supposed to believe that this guy went after her, you know, this like weird looking big nose southern hick lady, you know. I mean, I think people just look so... (laughs) And then when you say it like that, it makes perfect sense. Like, of course he did. Like, that's... Because he's preying on people he could get away with preying yeah. on. Right. <laughs> we saw a little bit in this episode, like, the press conference where it's, like, how the immediate response when someone talks about sexual harassment is, like, well, what did you do to bring it? Why did you right. go up there with yeah. him? You say workplace, but you and the governor were in a private hotel room, correct? Why'd you agree to go up there? I just thought the governor wants to see me. That, that That's an honor. So you expected what? Uh, a meeting on state affairs? <laughs> well, I don't know, but I, I know that he shouldn't have brought me up there for that. And he needs to apologize for, for what he did. Yeah, that press conference. And that was like so real too. It seems on the nose a little bit, but then when you think about it, you're like, but they really did say that shit. Like a lot of, right. a lot of the lines in this show are verbatim right yeah this is a very well documented situation i wonder if this was before the anita hill thing or after that i can't really remember this was after anita hill but yeah yeah, like the workplace harassment Mm -hmm. thing i feel like people were starting to recognize it but it wasn't like still like they it is interesting that she struggles to find the terminology of sexual harassment bill clinton presented himself to me in a very unprofessional manner I would call it sexual harassment. Did he touch you? I believe that. I uh, I, I will not speak on Did that. Did he expose himself? I can't speak on that. They're still treating her like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You weren't in an office. We were yeah, in a hotel, right. and it's still like none of that 
I mean, now you hear that happening like with a boss employee or that kind of power dynamic. It is harassment yeah. off right. the bat. Absolutely. Like that's all and, Harvey Weinstein did was like bring people to hotel rooms. That's where he had meetings. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like it was still this time in the culture where it's like, no, explain yourself. Why were you there? Right. Or you just know. flat out, we don't believe, you know, like what happened with Anita Hill? We had this trial. It's like, oh, we don't believe you. You're on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Hey. Ugh. Oh, Clarence Thomas wouldn't do that. I think it was really more like it doesn't matter that he did. Right. It's either we don't believe clear. you or yeah. it doesn't matter. And It was right. obviously your fault somehow. Right. And then also like their whole incredulousness about it being a hotel room when the government itself conducts so much fucking business in hotel rooms. Right. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> there's so much government money spent on getting nice double suites at the Ritz. <laughs> do interrogations. What's going on in the Pentagon? Is there no room there for that? Kind of thing? Like, that's where business is conducted. It's the whole like Hamilton room where it happens behind closed doors. That is how the government is run, and it's always been run like that. It's a boys' club. It's a hotel room full of creepy dudes in suits. Oh my yeah. god. And like they're, they're conservatives and Ken Starr are really gunning for Clinton like we are going to take this guy down and they saw Paula Jones and that tape and they're like this could be a good lead for us. They hooked her up with like those high powered lawyers. They're just like those Washington power play. Is this anything like these watchdogs? It's totally is this anything? This... How can we monetize this? Right. Like, all well, of it. It's like we care about this if it helps us politically. You know yeah. like it's totally yeah. Oh, conservatives think sexual harassment is bad? Well, it must have been a Democrat who did it. And it does happen the other way, that, like, oh, like, oh a Democrat did it? No, it didn't happen. <laughs> that was just a misunderstanding, guys, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just insane, the hypocrisy. And I feel like it has changed to an extent, but we definitely, in the last couple of years, saw people explain away things that were soups inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I don't know. We're just kind of talking all over the place here, yeah. but hot proms, does, I mean, we can try to do like the regular format. Yeah, I feel like we should. Shut up. Hot props is on. Oh shit, yeah. Do y'all have any hot props? I'm like, get some light bulbs. I don't like how dimly lit every scene is. I'm like, turn the lights on. Even she's in her own apartment. Like, why is it so dark in here? I don't. This is obviously an aesthetic choice of somebody, but I don't like such a dimly lit show. Well, that would have been Ryan Murphy, I guess. He's the director. That's what he wanted. That's his vision. He's definitely going for a vibe. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Does that kind of carry out through? I know there's different directors. This first episode, it really had a like, kind of like a house of cards vibe like the washington secrets and people being followed and the dimly lit the color palette is great yeah and you really notice then when someone like linda's wearing a pink blazer when you think of washington you just think of gray yeah like gray tones gray scale (laughs) yeah i also kind of like it in comparison because you see monica and she is this really friendly young person and she's working in these very conservative environments comparing her to linda tripp i just feel like she's in this drab environment but she's actually like a real friendly nice person that wants to do a good job and she's just she's bubbly i really yeah like she's very persona i knew people like that that aspired to be in government really believed in democracy (laughs) right and that's where she's at she's a young optimistic like 23 is such a baby she's an intelligent optimistic 
political idealism. Yeah. Yeah. And she's working at the Pentagon, and that place is like a drab fortress. Yes, everybody there is so downtrodden. And it's (laughs) kind of interesting to see that part of the government that is just, no matter who's in the office, there's a kind of drudgery to all of that work, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Linda Tripp thinks that she's so important and vital to the whole White House West Wing operation is just like, she's a narcissist and she has this inflated sense of self and self-importance. I'm a multi-decade veteran of the civil service, having worked at the highest levels of the executive and military, including a stint at Fort Bragg during which I had top secret clearance working for a division of the army so classified it technically doesn't exist. So, Delta Force. I can neither confirm nor deny. You're the office staff. Any president moving into the White House, this staff comes with the job. Right. And she thinks she's a White House player, but she's not a part of that world. Yeah. Like, I mean, she gets the guy lunch and books his dinner reservations or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. It's like a personal assistant. Basically. Right. Yeah. Just how this whole thing unfolds. It's just like she really wants to be in the center of something. Yeah. And to be like this important person. She's just... They did a she's very good job of illustrating loser. her She's a pathetic. Yeah. She sucks so much. She does. She does. She's the only person who, like, my opinion didn't change in the last yeah. 30 years or whatever, you know. <laughs> Any other hot pros? Um, did you have hot specs? I don't know if I did. Other than, well, I guess the prosthetics are really noticeable, but mm-hmm. they're just a little distracting. I don't like that kind of thing where you just notice it every time. I want to get immersed in the world. And it's hard. Do you only notice it because you know who these people are? You know, it's like... Right. And I think with Clive Owen, it's noticeable. Even Mm -hmm. if you don't know it's Clive Owen and you don't know it's supposed to be Bill Clinton. Like, if you were just watching this movie totally blind, like, this is a movie about a made-up thing, like, I feel like you would still be able to tell that he has prosthetics. Absolutely. But it's more distracting when you know who the person is in real life. The voice is so good, though. (laughs) Clive does the voice really well. Yeah! I haven't heard, I mean, I just heard the tiniest bit today. How was your first day? It's a good impression in the sense that it doesn't seem like an impression. It just seems like he changed yeah. his inflections a little bit and he's, his timber. But it's not like an SNL right. <laughs> character, which is good. I think he's a really good actor. I like Clyburn a lot. I really don't have any hot problems other than that. Next call. It's pretty well done. I mean, yeah. that was pretty solid opening. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of things that I loved about it. Yeah. If we ever have a thing that's like not meaningful passages, but just stuff we like. Stuff we know? like. Well, like, let's do that now. Stuff yeah, we like. We can figure out yeah. something. I'm sure Veronica likes something at some point. <laughs> <laughs> there is literally a Heather's quote for everything, so we'll figure right. it out. You're beautiful. I liked how they set the scene in the 90s without beating you on the head with it. Yeah. It's just like someone has a pager, she's at step class, you see <laughs> Jane Magazine with Courtney Cox on the cover. I like that, again, if you went into this not knowing what it was about, you would know from the early scene when it takes place. Without it being yeah. so, you know, it's something I, I feel like, especially when things are in the 80s, it's like every line has to be about your swatch or the Rubik's Cube or, <laughs> or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, that's it. true. Like the 90s felt very normal when you were in <laughs> yeah. the 90s. Right. And there were definitely like weird things about it, but I thought that was very seamless. Mm-hmm. Like, unlike the noses, I really easily was transported back to that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like the frozen dinners and the slim fast, all the diet culture from that time 
Mm-hmm. is very familiar and the clothes are mm-hmm. so 90s but they did a really good job making them the tailors whoever he gets the brian murphy gets for his stuff is so authentic i guess it's yeah. like just it doesn't feel like costumes it's like they just got patterns from that time and recreated the outfits yeah i think maybe they do do that sometimes yeah it's really like good. all the blazers power suits and the hair jesus christ the hair is like hey People spent so much time on their hair. (laughs) (laughs) The diet culture, too, just how it's, like, so pervasive. You can tell it's, like, on their mind all the time. Yeah. They show Monica eating lunch and kind of picking out her salad, taking things off her sandwich. You know, and you see her calendar. She has her weight written down every single day. And they're both, you know, with their lean cuisines and the slim Mm -hmm. fast. And when Linda Tripp talks about why she got moved from the west wing or something she was like i was very trim then where were you when you were there my last stop was the council's office we touched everything at a very high level i was the last person to see vince foster alive oh wow before that during bush i was on a desk right outside the oval why was i sent to the council's office well back in 93 i was very trim i have reason to believe that hillary didn't want me near the president if you know what i mean that's so saturated yeah women's lives Weight Watchers makes these amazing meals you can microwave. Oh, I have seen those at Safeway. They're low fat, so you don't want to kill yourself oh, later. You need to worry. Are you kidding You're me? You're gorgeous. Ah, uh, not in Beverly Hills. Second grade, they called me Big Mac. My high school, they called me Gus. Absolutely. And you do really get the impression that, like, she's not that far off base about what women get promoted and which women do not. Yeah, and they both sort of have this connection immediately because they're both miserable. And <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, totally. that, that's like their bond is they've both been banished to the Department of Defense. And I think that's an interesting way to start a relationship with a potential friend. It's kind of like bonding over your misery can be. I don't know. It's just a weird place to start a friendship, I think. It's a toxic basis. It's a toxic basis, (laughs) exactly. And then Linda Tripp is, she's pressing for more info because she's looking for something for her, you know, maybe I got something here. Like, yeah, maybe she sees this the angle immediately. Yeah. yeah, she's conniving and then you see it in the beginning where she's trying to call, she's beeped Monica because mm-hmm. she was in step class and she's like, I was exercising and Linda's immediately like, oh, you make me look like a slob. Right. Like, you're so yeah. disciplined. Where on God's green earth? I was working out. Jesus, Linda. You're disciplined me feel like a slob. Listen, can you do lunch in an hour? That is their dynamic. Linda's just miserable. They're friends, but the bond is like... Well, they're only friends because Linda is opportunistically making that happen. Yeah, and then I think Monica's genuinely lonely. Like, yeah. she doesn't have a lot of friends, and she's living with her mom at the Watergate in her apartment. Oh, yeah. She still feels like she's in love with Bill Clinton, and he's not returning her calls. So I think she's in a really vulnerable place in this. Yeah. When she's meeting Linda Tripp. She's waiting for his call. That's a BTS thing I read about was the nature of phones back then. Monica really did spend a lot of time sitting near the phone. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Like, if you... We're waiting on a call. You had to sit at home by the phone. Yeah. Yeah, like even near the phone. If you were too far away, you didn't answer in time. Right. That's it. (laughs) I know. I think they do a really good job of setting up that dynamic in this episode. Yeah. 
And there is a lot of shitty office culture, oh, too. Yeah. It's kind of funny how a shitty office is a shitty office, no matter where it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is anyone else smelling that? They're doing electrical work on it. Any industry. I know. It seems <laughs> like it's inescapable, right? <laughs> and, like, why did we as a society decide that we should cluster people together like that? Like, it's God, not good for no, anybody. No privacy. Yeah. yeah. Sharing a cubicle with someone that's such a... Yeah, like anybody, so, even if you'd get along, right. it's just no way to be, to spend right. eight I hours mean, a like, day. Just having your own cubicle is sort of insult enough, you know, it's like it's yeah. not a room, it's just a couple boards. You know? Yeah. Like, can't they just put one extra board in the middle so that you don't have to share a cubicle? <laughs> I can hear you chewing. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I chew. I can hear you chewing. This is how I chew. And you can tell like the difference between Monica on her first day and Linda. And Linda is like, I am going to be interviewed or they're going to want to talk to me. I need a room to prepare. As you know, I have been transferred from a high level position in the West Wing. I'll be blunt. I know too much about Whitewater. It's a near certainty I'll be called to testify. I need a private office so I can prepare. Oh. I see. No. She just really believes she's very important. Yeah. (laughs) It's so significant when her boss tells her that she's a kind person right before he kills himself. Thought maybe you could use a tree. You're a kind person, Linda. Yeah, and like, I don't know why, but the part where he's like, I left some for you on the tray. Well, I left some M&Ms on the tray. For you. Oh. Thank you. He half ate M&M's and left her M&M's on the tray of his half-eaten lunch. And she's like, Thank like that's you. how much, <laughs> that's how important she is to him, I mm-hmm. guess, you know? And she keeps saying, I was the last one to see him alive, and it's like nobody cares. It's absolutely true that she is this person that no one does really want around and right. she isn't significant really and she wants to position herself there you know what i've always thought you're about as sharp as a marble so you go ahead and drive home i'm going up to the oeob to talk to your superior because something very wrong has happened here linda we tried to keep you we went out of our way we asked all around the white house no one wants you here. I feel like it's a good portrayal because I am sympathetic to her. Like, she has definitely obviously had a hard life. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with the profession and her looks. Like, that is... I don't know if it's worse than Hollywood, but it's very similar to Hollywood in the sense that it really doesn't matter how good you are at something if you don't look the part. Right. Oh, yeah. Or aren't charismatic. It's really a job requirement. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like... DC is kind of a Hollywood right. situation. Lots of like powerful players. Well, that's what players yeah. say is like politics is Hollywood for ugly people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but still, it matters how you but, look. Right. Ugly people by Hollywood standards. You know, right. Like Hollywood homely. I feel like Linda Tripp, like she refers to how kids called her Gus when she was growing up. Yeah. And it sounds like they've both been bullied about their weight and things like that. And then Linda Tripp, I guess her father was a philanderer. Mm-hmm. And it was like known in the town and I think that really affected her sense of like, I'm gonna fix this. This man can't get away with this kind of thing. Like with yeah. Clinton. I feel like I have sympathy for her, but I also feel like she's just such a narcissist. Right. It's like in a way, it's like someone who sort of did, well, I don't want to 
to say she did the right thing, but like at heart somewhere there is something like Paula Jones had a lawsuit against him and him lying about Monica did hamper that lawsuit. Somewhere in there it's like, yes, this was relevant and meaningful, but I still feel like what she did was so fucked up, you know? Yeah. It's not quite like did the right thing for the wrong reasons, but there's something there, you know? Yeah, but she definitely has this firm sense of right and wrong and she really felt like she was doing something for her country in some way. Right. She but, was convincing herself that it was for that reason yeah, when it was right. really obviously just it's, to position herself as an important person. Right. It's right. like, I'm the hero of this story, but did she at heart really care about Paula Jones? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. even like sexual harassment in general. Did she really care about that? Yeah. No. Again, I think no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's probably like in I, my embiolic, no one ever sexually harassed me. Right. So you right. must have done something to deserve it. Of course, that's not what got you my job, is it? We all know why I'm being fired and you get to stay. You got my job because the president wants you around. You know that. And I know that. In fact, the president knows I know a lot. Yeah, she has this sense of, like, I've been in the White House for almost 30 years. She feels indignant about the Clintons are sullying this institution or whatever with Pizza Fridays. When the election happened and these people showed up with their total lack of respect for this institution and their obvious contempt for half the country, through everything, the sleaze. The pizza parties on casual Fridays, I bit my tongue and did my job as a civil servant who was foolish enough to believe that my sterling reputation for professionalism and integrity still mattered. Like, Using the restroom and not her private Right, restroom. yeah, yeah. She's like, I can't believe Hillary Clinton is using our bathroom. I'm serious. What was she doing in there? Probably what everyone does. Oh, you're so hard. You always say that because your husband's a donor. Her office is on this floor. I have this dump. You listen to what you just said. As though that's not unbelievably disturbing in itself. The first lady's office in the West Wing. She's so judgmental. Oh, and then saying, about, like, the, the, what does the first lady need her an office for? Like, the first lady does all kinds of shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. First ladies are very fucking busy. <laughs> right, but, but I feel like what it was, like, but Hillary was busy in the wrong way, you know? Like, mm. you're supposed to do first lady shit, like, decorating and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if that was the first time a first lady had an office in the West Wing versus somewhere else. I don't really know, but it seemed mm. like significant in some way. Oh my God, those t-shirts. Oh, I remember those Impeach the Bitch t-shirts, and they were very popular bumper stickers in Virginia too at the time. Oh, I bet. Yeah, you were probably... Where did you live around that I'm... Beltline area with... DC. I was about two hours away from DC. There were people that commuted to DC for work every day from our area, but not too many people. But yeah, there was a lot. Like our football team was the Washington football team. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't have our. You're just sticking with that name, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, like I really remember the whole attitude of like she thinks she's the president and right. right. And that was like the start of my political activism at that time. I was like, it seems so ridiculous that you think that she shouldn't be doing any work when she's got this position and <sighs> the Clintons are so complicated. I know. Well, <laughs> like yeah. I hate defending them. They did fucked up shit, but they were getting chastised for not the same fucked up shit that they were doing. I mean Right, right. It's like it's hard to have a conversation <laughs> with Hillary. It's like I dislike Hillary, but wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. I do need follow 
follow-up questions. I remember when he was running, they came to Gainesville to do a rally. My mom and her friend Alice, she has a daughter named Holly, they let us skip school and they took us to campus to see Bill and Hillary Clinton. And it was like an exciting time. There was something different about them. I remember my friend Holly had a, like a Go Hillary sign. And I think that was the first time where I felt interested or at least <laughs> like excited about anything political. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was like 13. It was pretty cool seeing like somebody like Hillary seemed like, wow, she's cool and she's a lawyer too and she's done all this stuff too. I mean, but now like it's just... I think a big part about what this series is, at least the vibe that I'm going to get from it, is like remembering that it was like an exciting time in politics, like you were saying. And I remember that was the first election I voted in was the 1996. Me too! I voted for Clinton. I made sure to register and vote in times, like vote for Clinton in that election. I I was so excited about that, and it was coming off of Bush and how horrible the war was. And it's just a cycle, right? It's just a cycle of every once in a while we get candidates where it seems like they're gonna do something and we're gonna right. and then the tide right. will turn and then it's just still more the same shit yeah it was just so easy to get wrapped up in the message of it all yeah. like these people were my parents age and they seemed cool or something like they seemed like it was this new <laughs> and it's very they're not like that george seem, bush right like, they're not they like, were the fresh faces they were like george bush. Bush. It's so, it's so wild. Hall and played saxophone. Oh my. I'm an old, so I voted for Clinton in 92. And that was my first voting. It's like so crazy to remember that. And now, you know so much now, there's no way to go back to that feeling about the Clintons for me. No. Like, no. so, but for a window of time, they really captured something, you know? I mean, and the, it's like, you know, with Obama too. Like, that there's seemed a, like such an optimistic time. There's a whole, right. Obama ran as a progressive, but then didn't mm-hmm. serve as a progressive. So there's a whole generation mm-hmm. after us that's like, that was my first vote, and I was so excited to vote for Obama. And now it's like, again, yeah. Like it's, yeah. You know, like, what a disappointment as a person and as a president, you know, and it's just like, it's just this is what always happens that like you are excited about politics when you're young and then you become jaded because it's right. like, I don't Because it never know. changes. It right. always, like, and it's like, you run as a progressive to get elected and then you serve as a moderate for some reason and then pretend even with my super majority oops can't get anything done oh now you lost the majority oh no you know how did that happen it really is just a fucking pattern we're gonna lose the majority (laughs) because we didn't do anything with it you know and then it's like oh why are young people so jaded about politics like hmm I don't know what a mystery Yeah. I mean, I wonder if their parents' generation have that with, like, the Kennedys or something, you know? Although that's a whole different thing, I guess. Yeah, there's, like, a big mythology, I think, with them. Way more than the Clintons, I think. Something about JFK, it's, like, this mythological... Charismatic as fuck. ...thing. Right. Yeah. Which is and weird, because you look at him, it's, like, not an attractive Same man, deal. You know, right? Same deal. Right. Like, somehow, Marilyn Monroe, like, right. one of the most God. beautiful women to ever live. Right. 
Did you ever? And it probably is why she died. <laughs> I watched this interview with, I forget what her name was, but she was like a college student when she like worked at the White House with JFK and it's the same harassment situation oh and like she thought she was in love with him and he was a predator too. Totally. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm sorry, the Kennedys are a family of fucking douchebags. It's so weird how we mm-hmm. pathologize that family as like American royalty. Yeah. And it really is. Like, like royalty, like when you think about right. it, I mean, royalty, like British royalty, is also fucking douchebags. So right. it's actually Harry. a very Prince accurate Harry's comparison, good. but like it's not great. What's like, said except Harry, Prince Harry's. Oh, of course, mm-hmm. yes, Harry, Meghan, Stan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like the Kennedy thing is like, is it Joe Kennedy or I don't the young the guy who's a congressman or something? Oh. He's just such a diluted. Uh, <laughs> Kennedy. I just feel mm-hmm. like his brand is like it doesn't work anymore, and yeah. it's like that's old. Right. Sorry, we're done with the Kennedys kind of thing in this political I landscape. Be, I mean, it's like a big fraternity. That's just a bunch of bros. Yeah. yeah I, the I mean, honestly, the entire government is like that's. I'm loving the vibe so far because it really seems like it's just showing how it's all this like burning Rome situation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Started burning long ago, and it's just been smoldering this whole time, and it continues to do so. And we really just. <laughs> A fucking revolution, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what's going to fix this? And it's just amazing, like, how it's not really about fixing the country or making the country any better it's or people insane. any better. It's all just, like, a power play. It's and all like, advancing your career. Like, it's all about advancing yeah. your career, staying in power, having these alliances. I mean, no political drama I've ever seen is ever about the work. It's, no. <laughs> it's, like, about the behind-the-scenes that's what they do. I feel mm-hmm. like that's their work, <laughs> mainly. It really is. Their work is like keeping their job or getting another job. Right. And that's literally... Or getting money from lobbyists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like oh. Nancy Pelosi, like <laughs> officiating the Getty wedding. Or right. Talk about tone. I know. Not busy. <laughs> yeah, lots of free time. This is a good look for me. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. What a mess. Why is government? <laughs> I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Moby Dick, if you know what I mean. Should we do some meaningful passages? Yeah! I feel like I took so many notes. I was writing, writing, writing. Really well, well scripted. I love the script. My favorite meaningful passage from this episode is from Margot Martindale. Character actress. Mm-hmm. Character actress. I live like I got nothing to lose, Linda. I recommend it. I recommend it. <laughs> I live like I got nothing to lose, Linda. I recommend it. I, I just love that. It's She's like, not on scene much, but yeah. she is fire. <laughs> I do feel like that's bad advice for Linda Tripp, though. She should not live like she's got nothing to do. No. I mean, it is bad advice, but it's such a characterizing moment. Yes, for sure. And she's smoking. <laughs> the smoking section of the restaurant. <laughs> this big open room? <laughs> this is not the smoking section. <laughs> I really like when Paula Jones is... First of all, I just love the woman who plays Paula Jones. Yeah. She's, we have to say for the listeners, she's the crying white lady in the sack lunch bunch, which is my favorite four minutes of television ever. They're phasing out my department, and I will lose my apartment. My mom is no support system. I like that guys can't resist them. Forgot to DVR drag race. My friend Elise peeked to my face. Some fraud made them freeze my Amex, and then I ran into 
can cry. Her name is Annalie Ashford. Annalie Ashford, there you go. I love her in this, when she's telling the story of what happened and she's like, so I said, gosh, okay. One of his state troopers told me, the governor would like to see you in his room. So I said, gosh, okay. And he said, hi, real friendly. I start complimenting me. Next thing I know, he's getting real close. He comes and sits right by me. And that's, that's when I saw he taking it out, his, uh, his business right, right out, right out in the air. And then he asked me to kiss it. What'd you do? I said, no, I'm not that kind of girl. And he said, okay, and I walked right out. I'm from Lone Oak, my daddy was a preacher. I'm not going around to quality management conferences giving out oral sex. Okay, roger that. I am disgusted, I am upset, and I want an apology. His business right out in the air. I love her turn of phrase. Right. And that's real. Yes, yeah, so yeah. of like someone having to talk about something that they are not comfortable talking about and yeah. the euphemisms that they come up with. And then later when she draws his business. I can draw it. his area. It takes a dramatic turn. That is a great line. It's fantastic. Yeah. I want an apology, and we want a role on Designing Women Design for my husband's team. Oh, yeah. And then the whole idea, like, I could be a love interest, I could come back later. If there's chemistry, I could come back. Yeah, I could be, like, a, a love interest for Delta Burke, you know. Maybe they could bring me back if the chemistry's good. Teron Killen was so good with him. the is her flight attendant husband who wants to be an actor. He really sucks as a husband, I think. Like he just Yeah. yeah. He definitely like, he key could, like key line of my wife. Yeah. That's like, such a right. telling red flag line when anyone is oh, like, better than my wife. Like, like, and the whole thing, how he's basically mad at her because of like the actions of another man. That's a familiar yeah. awesome thing. That's and and like man. Yeah, the it part tells volumes, right? Speaks volumes. Right? Yeah, it's all like about him being shamed because of this story, and then I the <laughs> part, guy. Who are you? Right. <laughs> the part where they're with the high-powered lawyers, and Paula Jones' husband is like essentially broing down with these lawyers. They're trying to convince her to file the lawsuit, and then I mean, you can tell she's yeah. facing the window, and her husband is talking to the lawyers, and he's like kind of being eye-rolly about her. Yeah. And then he's like, "Baby girl." I love you so much. Yeah. I feel so bad for her. She and just, she just, he's just not in an her apology, you know? Yeah, like, he, he's just... I feel like she didn't want anything. It was all him being like, you have to do something about this. What are you going to do about this? I think and she, she genuinely like, wanted an apology. Yeah, I don't think she wanted to do the lawsuit necessarily. You get the feeling like she's feeling pressure from her husband to like, oh, yeah. do that. Anytime an aspiring actor, that's such a red flag all yeah. like, You're willing to do all, all kinds of terrible shit to get a right. role on yeah. designing women right. that might be recurring if you chemistry. That's like, yeah. That's really Wow. <laughs> I do love that his wife, Kobe Smulders, is Ann Coulter. And love what little we saw in this episode, she's fucking nailed it. Yeah. yeah she really has. Coulter, who sent you this? George Conway. You think she could be the one? Certainly needs media training. I don't care about media, I just need her to sue. We want him under oath. Why? Because he's Bill Clinton. He'll lie. 
feel like she's been doing that impression at home for a while. Yeah. We're <laughs> waiting to use her ankle. Oh my god, the voice. She sounds just like she her. Sounds just like her. Mm. Another line yeah. I like is, you're sharp as a marble. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> no one wants you. <laughs> like a little burn off there. Yeah. Oh, I really liked, I just felt this very meaningful when, what's her name, brought the documents in and they had a paper clip. And Linda was like, we use staples. Uh, staples. It has a paper clip. We use staples. I was just like, oh wow, that whole tone and the we do that, that's triggering admin office stuff. Right. We use staples, like you fucked up on right. some stupid thing. Oh, that's gonna cost you. It's pretty relevant. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like that's so important. <laughs> yeah. When the woman who she's friends with in the office, Linda trips emptying her office and she's like the president has no idea who you are <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. that scene is brutal yeah I, I feel really bad for Kathleen <laughs> I really like that actress too she was in yeah, yeah she's <laughs> great Elizabeth Reeser yeah that's your name and then that's like after she she asked for a job and she had a rest also she asked for a job at Linda's urging, according to this, you know. I was like, you need to stand up for yourself and ask for a job, and then she gets harassed, but then she gets the job, and then Linda's terrible about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was your idea. I wrote, we gotta buy all this shit. And then Steve's <laughs> like about the t-shirts. Hey, did you bring a credit card? <laughs> we gotta buy all this shit. Right, that's another timely thing that there will be a time where it's like you might not have brought your credit card with you when you went somewhere, you know. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And then like the line from character actress Margaret Martindale about about the book, like the kind of book she sells. She does big books and she says there's a whole horde of Clinton haters in town and they've all got a book. This week is CPAC. There's a whole horde of Clinton haters in town and they've all got a book. Ben Bowers next troopers. Half of Arkansas is here. That sums it up. Like, that's what it's like there. Right. Yeah. Everybody's I... like, I got a book. And then, then just how much everyone did hate the Clintons. Still do. Still hate them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I remember the Jennifer Flowers thing, too. That was really big. Yeah, the Whitewater thing, I did not know much about that but i read that vince foster he's a childhood friend of bill clinton's and i guess he he got a lot of anxiety and depression going through all like the appointments and he blamed himself for the zoe baird thing and the clintons have a lot of old crony kind of like it just seems like everyone who's involved with the clintons has a crazy story yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, they may not have done Pizzagate, but they definitely did some right. shady shit. They yeah. sure did, yeah. I know, that's what's so hard, I think. It's like, there's so many valid reasons to dislike the Clintons, and then sometimes you're like... <laughs> I know, like, why are you making things up? We right, need to. Right. <laughs> they basically had slaves in Arkansas, you know, with their prison labor that worked oh. in their home. Unpaid black men, like, in prison were yeah. their servants, basically. Jeez. Yeah. It's fucked up. Oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Right. <laughs> I do not condone that. Oh man. I can't wait to talk about more of the episodes. I'm, I'm trying hard to keep it in. <laughs> oh, I wrote, is there anything in your past you don't want coming out? Yeah. 
that they said to Paula before she files the lawsuit. It's just also so fucked up. That's such a meaningful line to me because it's true that, especially as a woman, you cannot complain about anything without your entire life getting turned upside down. Right, which is like, like not <laughs> relevant at all to whether somebody sexually harassed her. Yeah. You know? And we just saw this. It's the same thing with Tara Reid. Tara Reid has some questionable things in her past. I don't see why that means right. that Joe Biden didn't sexually harass her. Absolutely. Get um, ready for a Like, spirit. I wonder why we know why women are so hesitant to report. I know. And like, right. there's, there's going to be a smear campaign against you. Yeah. And then with the Brett Kavanaugh... Christine, Mm -hmm. Blasey Ford, there is no perfect victim. She got screwed, you know? And so interesting how it's just women, too. Like, Yeah, people still make that... Oh, my God. How that goes for a white man versus a woman of any color. (laughs) What is going on? That's right. Why why are we so terrible? (laughs) Yeah. The uh, line, loyalty is very important to me, she tells Monica that. Mm, yeah. At lunch, I thought that was pretty... That's pretty significant. Of course, nothing was worse than the day I was sent here, stabbed in the back by a fair-weather friend. I won't say more. <laughs> Sounds awful. It was. It was. Loyalty is very important to me. All the shots of the scales of justice in the office. Like, oh. That's just <laughs> such a joke. I feel like there were a lot of scales of justice imagery in the OJ one too. Yeah, I love the OJ one. Just what a joke the justice system is. How it really doesn't matter if you did it or didn't do it or what, you know. It's like, that's not what we're here for. Yeah, and it has to be like this right moment in time. Oh, I'm sorry. No one cares about this anymore. Right, yeah. Let's move on. It's like you have to be right in the moment where people are going to pay attention to you or listen to you. And people with news stories, what news decides to show over and over again on TV is just so... It has everything to do with ratings and right. Money. Yeah, they they want something they, to they sell. Get out of it. Yeah, it really is all just entertainment based and money based, and has absolutely nothing to do with government or justice. Yeah, yeah. But it's under the guise of those things, when really those things just don't exist. I really do kind of feel like government is an illusion and justice is absolutely non-existent, and that's what we're gonna talk about in yeah. this show. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) I didn't think this was going to make me feel great about the government, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's... I guess they called it a witch hunt or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and... um, That's what a witch hunt was. Right. So triggering. I know. (laughs) Yeah, remember when they held him underwater to see if he would drown, proving whether he was a witch? Yes. What happened to Bill Clinton? Right, yeah. He's very much like, these people just go after whatever. And it's like, you did some shitty things. But then I wish that the but the reckoning isn't even coming from a place of justice. Right. They just want to bring the Clintons down. They don't care about people. It's true when she said that there's a vast right wing conspiracy to take us down. Like that was true. Yeah. But it was like also and you did some shitty, shady stuff, you know? It's like getting Al Capone on tax evasion or something. And then this poor young lady caught in the middle of all of it. I mean, I really do love Monica, actually. I love Monica. I mean, I'm sure she's not, like, a perfect person, but she is very sympathetic, and Mm -hmm. I really do relate to her young idealism. Yeah. And it's just so fucked up 
how that happened to her. That was a great book that you recommended to me, Annie. It was The Young Jane Young. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Which kind of was before this. That was a thinly veiled, Monica fictionalized story. Yeah. Monica story. But I highly recommend that book. It really got to the heart of how we destroyed this young person. I mean, she's yeah. okay now, but yeah, she's going like... to have this for the rest of her life to reckon with. And I'm sure that she'll never be over it completely. Like, how could she be? Even though now there is this new version and new perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of redemption for her, but just the way that, uh, yeah, I mean... It's not going to take away the fact that we destroyed what should have been a really fun and more carefree time in her life than it was. Yeah, and it changed everything for her. I just can't imagine being that young and being the punchline for so many mean things right. on a global level right yeah and i mean it's, it's just like well the whole world is like you're a fat slut like what yes you know like i can even be a 23 year old like, like remember being 23 right and idealistic and has an affair with this man that i mean literally the most powerful man in the world and yeah. you just imagine what that must have felt like to get attention yeah. from a man like that at that age and, and then your friend turns on you and then the whole world is looking at you and pointing and saying we hate you because you're fat you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Like, it's like middle school, but the entire the world. The world, right. Yeah. That's so yeah. fucked up. Like, how is she okay? Honestly. I know. And even, like, if it had even been, like, 20 years later, like, it still would have been bad, but there was a big title change with body positivity and sex positivity, you know? Like, there would have been that contingent still, but there would have been a lot more, like... Yeah. She's not really fat by today's standards, you know what I mean? But also, fat is value neutral, but not... To society. It's just Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so much. I do really think they did a good job of how mean they were about her appearance, but she really was such a cute, she's yeah, fresh-faced she's girl, and Beanie Feldstein perfectly embodies that. Yeah. She's just kind of like this guileless, new to working. She is like a little beam of light when she comes into she the is. office. Yeah. You know? yeah. I can see how vindictive people would be like, I need to destroy that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I read that one of the most hurtful comments was like when Dr. Joyce Brothers in an interview was like, what guy wants to go home and tell his parents he's going to marry Monica Lewinsky <gasps> or something? <sighs> yeah, like... Like there were Joyce sh- Brothers. Yeah, like oh, there's so off, many bitch. like horrible, oh, and you'll see that later in the episodes, but she's always alluding to, yeah, but one day when I'm married and I'm going to have kids, and they destroyed that for her. It's just so colossally unfair what they did to her and what she was put through. Right. And it's like, if you go back and think of like what shitty romantic choice you made when you were 23. Yes, and right. That, like, what if that haunted Absolutely. you for your entire life? Oh, man. Like, not just I had an affair with a married man, but oh, everybody knows about this and right. details, and it's so fucked up. Being 23 is so young. Yeah. You're it such so a young. baby. Yeah. A baby. Even if you're really intelligent, which I know she is. Yeah. Like, you just don't have the life experience. Right. And me in my 40s, looking back, thinking about being that young, you really kind of assume most everybody is nice or wants like the 
lady at the you, office you know, my and, first day who like you really yeah. you really trust a lot of people and totally unfortunate why do you have to have these bad experiences to learn these things i've had a lot of bad experiences with people and i'm just like yeah. wow i was just so trusting but it also is so fucked up that, like, you can't be trusting. Right, you yeah. You shouldn't have to learn that lesson. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to learn that some people will fuck you over. Heather, why can't you just be a friend? Why are you such a mega bitch? Yeah, yeah. it's shitty. I wish there was a way around all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Well, don't worry. We're destroying our planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, smoke them if you got them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Look like you got nothing to lose. Because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we do lunchtime poll? Yes. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. So the lunchtime poll question, Annie Malone, what is it? Okay, so this was a current news story for us in the 90s and is now a TV show. What is a story that has happened in recent years that you would like to see made into a show or movie someday? Great question. Uh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your great question. For me, I know someday there's going to be a biopic of this woman and I really hope they do a good job. I would like to see the Britney Spears story. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I just hope they get someone fantastic to play her. Um, Florence Pugh. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> that would be great. Yeah. She would be great, I'm sure. When there a story like this where there's there can be like a ton of cameos, you know, there can be. Yeah. So oh I my love God. seeing people playing celebrities, especially if it's other celebrities. Oh yeah, she briefly dated Colin Farrell. I would love that Colin Farrell oh, cameo. Right. Um, oh, but especially man. like I hope someone plays Justin Timberlake as such a real douchey guy. I hope he's really brought down. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna really look forward to that part of seeing like Justin Timberlake portrayed like kind of a dick. That is. Such a good want. I love it. Who should play Justin Timberlake? Uh, it's probably someone I don't know, you know. Yeah, probably. Some young, young up-and-coming British guy right. <laughs> will really nail it. That would be good. Well, That's a great answer. I was thinking the Ellen show drama uh, <laughs> would be good because yes. I, I love the Evil it. Ellen, Evil Ellen. I know. <laughs> That's such a fall from grace story. I know. Yeah. And, and oh, like I love she, this. it would have a lot of Famous people in it. Oh and my god, I obviously Sarah Paulson would play Ellen. <laughs> yeah, and, um, or she'd be Portia. Oh no, <gasps> she would be, uh, no, I love that. She should be Ellen. That would be awesome. Yeah. The, I feel like a lot of lesbians are really mad about the Ellen thing. <laughs> right. so, like, oh, it would be fun to see someone play Oprah in that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, oh yeah, the whole Ellen, like her story and then her behind the scenes of Ellen. Yeah, like. Margaret Robbie's Portia. Oh, nice. that, now that's <laughs> perfect. For that's mine, perfect. maybe Harry Styles could be Justin Timberlake. Oh, yes. Oh my God, I'm I like so that. excited <laughs> for Hollywood Collins. Don't worry, for Don't Worry Darling. Why, why are we not making a production company? We should great. just like. Okay, yeah. Olivia Wilde, call us. We'll make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know Florence and Harry Styles, and we'll just okay. cast them in We'll have our own, like, Ryan Murphy style production. Yes, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> Olivia Wilds money and power. <laughs> we have notes. We have thoughts. Yeah. So many good ideas. I haven't come up with mine yet. Let's see. Mm, what am I obsessed with? Oh, I feel like I know one for you. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was literally oh, thinking science. Oh, okay. Yes. Glad that you could come up with Yeah. Katie and Tom. Oh, yeah. Gotta see that Katie and Tom. 
own story. Oh, wow. Oh, and again with the fun celebrity cameos. I mean, there were so many fucking famous yeah. people at that wedding. Leah Remini. Gotta get someone to play. Leah Remini executive produces, obviously. Oh, right. Yes. Wow. That's what I want. I oh, want it so was... bad. <laughs> oh, man. Who could play those two? Oh, we have John Travolta in it, or maybe a side story with the Danny Masterson. Oh well, obviously, yeah. I mean, there's just so much there. There's so much there. Yeah, it'd be so fun to see someone play John Travolta. I feel like that's like a great role for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see that. That sounds good. Yeah. And then again, Oprah, another Oprah (laughs) opportunity for someone to play Oprah. The couch jumping. Who wants to play Oprah? I just, God, that, that couch jumping scene, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, I had always really liked Tom Cruise, but like, I, I just remember seeing that and I'm like, what is up with Tom Cruise? You know? Like, yeah. Like, it was just like a, what the fuck is going on? That was interesting. It was <laughs> yeah. like the veil falling away. Yeah. <laughs> that was strange. I know. It's really funny too, because Scientologists are all teetotalers. But, like, they act like they're on drugs all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on there? I almost feel like drugs would help you people, maybe. Maybe some antidepressants. I guess none of them are, like, oh, medicated. Oh, they're super am- It's just and- a bunch of people with mental health issues who are not addressing it at all. <laughs> yeah, they're really against antidepressants. And, in fact, since we're talking about Scientology, they have slaves. They have slaves that specifically just scour the internet for, like, Scientology shit, so. Right. You can't sue me because I'm not making any money. <laughs> but, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised. One of my listicles was about Tom and Katie, and it got pulled because oh, Scientology wow. threatened a lawsuit at this, like, fucking oh listicle God. company. That's what, like, I remember, like, Early days of internet, like on IRC, Internet Relay Chat, which is like 90s internet, how I met my old boyfriend. And I do remember like on the message boards, anytime somebody like, and because the message boards I were on were like Hollywood gossip ones. And anytime somebody mentioned Scientology in a negative light, which is how you talk about it, right? Then it was like that account would sort of like get taken over. Like all of a sudden, like the person who posted that, there'd be like all these posts from them that were just total like gobbledygook, gibberish garbage, like unreadable. And I think somebody was like stepping, like, so that everybody would then block that person because it's like they're just... Spamming with this, like, I'm right. so, you know, yeah. know, I was like, why does this happen? You know, I was like, so young and not like, why does this happen? Every time someone mentions Scientology, then they oh. just post a bunch of crazy stuff that makes mm-hmm. no sense. There was something there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, I don't know if it was like they created a dummy account that looked like it or what, but it yeah. was like, definitely, there was some trigger, like, anytime someone mentions Scientology, someone is on it, like, doing... Yeah, they have yeah. teams of slaves in basements. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Maybe that is Anya, crazy. Do you, what do you think of Anya Taylor-Joy as Katie Holmes? Oh, I love it. All right, right. call us guys. Oh, my God. That's a great idea. Wow. How very. This was a good lunchtime. Yeah. (laughs) We're so excited for the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke 
is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.